Hello to everybody who can't break the flower pot. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris Gethard. It is a pleasure to be here in this hosting seat, talking to you regular humans once again. Just that's what it is. If you're finding the show for the first time, welcome. Here's what it is. A a regular guy talks to other regular people on the phone and we just remember that this world is just full of stories. And this this week's episode will reiterate that in a big way, that it's it's the whole world that's full of stories. have to thank everybody who enjoyed the episode last week. Our our postal worker, who used to be a monk, got a lot of very positive reactions. A lot of people were charmed by him. It led to a, a discussion in the Facebook group, people going, it is sad that this one kind of randomly came out on a week when there was all this news about French clergy. It became topical yet again. And I, in the course of the conversation, said it's, I mean, and it's like, we used to joke about this when we were kids. It's, anyway, the whole thing was wild. Thank you to everybody in the Facebook group for uh, for being there and, and being a big part of this community and, and, and giving that feedback. It's very motivating. Also, you're hearing this. This is coming out on Tuesday the 12th. On the 15th, I am in Philadelphia. On the 16th, I am in Jersey City. These are the first two live, beautiful, anonymous tapings back. These are first live, beautiful, anonymous shows in two years. Philly and Jersey City. Let's go East Coast. East Coast is my people. Uh, there's a handful of tickets left. There's also stand-up shows. Let's uh, throw down. Have fun. Say hello. I cannot wait to get back out there with a live crowd. Film some tape, not film. Record some live episodes for you guys. This week's episode just got off the phone, just recorded this one. I was saying before, it's about the whole world. This person is in a city that's become kind of kind of weirdly um, legendary in the, in the course of the show. We have a caller from Perth, Australia. We have a lot of listeners in Perth, Australia who have always told me I need to go to Perth, Australia. We, we talk about that. We laugh about that. We talk about what it's like living in the most isolated major city in the world, about what it's like living there during extreme COVID lockdowns when things are really under control there, but you kind of feel like the rest of the world, you're watching a movie about this crazy disease. We have a a lot of tangents about parenting and a quiz that the caller has prepared for me. It is a fun episode with a person who I found extraordinarily easy to talk to. And we talk about current day and we also talk about the big picture stuff and it is noon where I'm recording. It was midnight where she was literally the opposite side of the world. And we get to just talk in real time and remember how much we all have in common on this spinning orb that we live upon. It's a great call. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello. Hi there. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. Where are you from? Um, I'm calling. I'm calling from um, Perth in Western Australia. Perth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I'm. I'm super nervous. So I'm. I'm kind of like just sort of catching my breath a little bit here. <laughs> well. Don't be nervous. I am so thrilled to talk to you. I I don't I wonder I feel like we've mentioned it on the show before, but for years now, whenever I announce my tour dates, there will be a segment yeah. of beautiful anonymous fans who go, You have to come to Perth, Australia. And then other people have told me Perth, Australia is the most desolate city in the world. And everybody skips it and they go to Sydney and Melbourne and a few other places in Australia, but Perth always gets left out of a lot of of touring artists' schedules and people overlook it. And I'm sitting here going, the city that's overlooked because it's desolate and nobody wants to, that sounds like me. This sounds like my, like it lives in my soul and my spirit. I got to get to Perth. So I've been fascinated with your, your town for years now. 
Well, um, I, uh, I, I'm a humble, uh, I'm, I am but a humble representative of, of um, one of the biggest uh, states um, in the whole world, um, second only to a state in Russia, and um, yeah, one of the most isolated cities in the world, depending on how you want to, uh, depending on what your definition of isolated city is. But um, you mentioned Perth only recently on an episode, and, and that's kind of what made me think about it. But you're totally right. Um, we get overlooked, and um, I get it. The travel time, there's always a time difference. Uh, it's hard to get to Perth. Um, but when, when acts visit here, we are always very gracious and welcoming. Uh, we can host one hell of a party. And... Um, I really do hope that uh, Perth is in the fu- in your future, you know, in your travel plans. What? <laughs> um, the nearest – oh, sorry, you go. No, you go. The nearest what? I was going to say that the nearest city to us um, – I do, look, I've done a little bit of research just to get my facts right here because, um, you know, it's um, – I, like I said, I'm re- representing the, the, the state. Uh-huh. Um, the nearest city is 1,305 miles away. Um, Beautiful. and it's across, <laughs> you can go across the Nullarbor Plain, which is literally a flat salt, like you can drive across, um, and you will see nothing for a very long time. And it's actually easier for us in Perth to go to Indonesia, like location and time-wise, than it is to go to the other side of Australia. So you might be getting a bit of a sense as to why it's, you know, hard for touring acts to get here. I love this. I love it. So you (laughs) you drive for 1,300 miles. Thank you for converting it to miles for me. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) 1,300 miles, that's... um, just about half, halfway across the entire United States before you find another city once you leave Perth. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's that's, a lonely it's a lonely existence. Now here's where I'm nuts. Here's where I'm a crazy person and I admit this. And this is going to make you flip out. You're going to lose your goddamn mind. <laughs> I think what would be funny is cuz I've never performed in Australia and this is one of the big bucket list items for me as a performer and there's a big comedy scene and there's festivals and everybody loves going to Australia and I it's just it was on my list and I was getting very close and then my son was born I said well now is not the time. There's a part of me that thinks the funniest thing I could do and a thing that would make me a legend in Perth only Perth. I go, I finally perform in Australia. No Melbourne, no Sydney. Perth, back home. Does that make me a legend in Perth? Does that make me, does that make people go, this is our guy, this guy gets it, he loves us? Or would they just go? Bonafide. Yeah? Or would (laughs) people just go, why would you come all the way here and not, you know, try to like I think there there would be a collective. I think there would be a collective who would be um, very willing to to show you the very best of Perth. I think you would find um, we would we would welcome you with open arms. And I, you know, they say like if you've made the sale, stop selling. But if I could just just indulge me for a second, Go for um, it. <laughs> look, we have more sunshine. We see more sunshine than any other state in Australia. Um, we have the biggest park in the world, uh, Kings Park, very beautiful. Uh, there are more self-made millionaires here than anywhere else in the world. Well, I love um, the rich. Everybody knows I love rich people. <laughs> and then um, our biggest exports are gold, diamonds, and pearls. We um, supply the more gold, diamonds, and pearls than anywhere else in the world. So, look, I really feel, oh, we also have something adorable here. Uh, we have a, there's like a little island just off Perth. Um, called Rotness, and they have something called the quokka. The quokka is a cross between a possum and the friendliest toddler you'll ever meet. Um, they're gorgeous. They'll come right up to you, and they're very enchanting. So you've got to come. You've really got to come and experience the diamonds, the pearls, the gold, and the quokkas. Well, listen, <laughs> di- when you say you've got diamonds, gold, Rich people and sunshine, 
Everybody, look, yeah. I'm notorious. Everybody can clearly, you take one look at me, you go, well, if there's one thing that guy takes well to, it's copious amounts of sun. Sun and diamonds and millionaires? That sounds like a place where I'd be very comfortable, physically and, you know, just, and socially. <laughs> I think you would be very comfortable here. Though. All those things aside, I will say we have a very healthy fear of skin cancer here in the West. Great, great. So uh, you can guarantee that we all um, slip, slop, slap, which is like what we're taught from ki- as, as kids, like to how to be safe in the sun. And we stay indoors in the in the peak of the sunlight. Um, but we love a sunset. We love a refreshing beverage in the sun. And I say this like I do all of these things, um, but you would very rarely find me in the sun or at the beach. Um, but I think it's nice that I live in a place that, that has those things. I'm, I'm beyond grateful uh, to be in a livable, a livable place, um, especially in a time like now. Now, I mean, first of all, a, a sad thing that you even have to say that. But first, yeah. let's get back to the jokes, though. Let me get back to it. How would Australia as a whole react if for my entire career – Every two years I did a show in Perth and never performed anywhere else in Australia, ever in my life. How would the rest, that that never happened. Nobody does that, right? (laughs) Uh, Look, I'm going to be really callous, um, but with heart at the same time. I'm going to say that there would probably be a healthy ambivalence because not a whole lot of people are looking at what we're doing here. I don't know. I feel a lot of pressure here, Chris. I have to be honest because... I'm making these big sweeping claims and I clearly um, I clearly did some homework before talking to you today, right? Like I've clearly Googled uh, where I live. Um, yeah, so ahead. I feel a lot of pressure. Don't make me speak for the whole nation. Okay, um, I, yeah. I really don't represent them. But, you know, all I would say is it's never too late to, to try. Like we would gladly host you, would gladly have a standing agreement. You know, we have, let's, let's write, let's make this binding, please. Let's get this in writing. I'm sure someone will draw this up for us. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you very honestly that I will not retire from my career until I perform in Perth, Australia. Let me just say that. Oh, isn't that amazing? As As far as if I will forego the rest of Australia just to make myself giggle by only performing in the most isolated city in the world and not making an effort to go to, you know, a a number of cities, a number of cities that are big hubs, let alone Sydney and Melbourne, which I think are like major cities in this world. And for, for our English speaking artists, as far Mm. as if I'll commit to that bit, I, I won't, I won't commit fully on this episode. I will say that I cannot retire. <laughs> Maybe my retirement show needs to be in Perth. Maybe that's what, when I finally quit comedy, I should go. Oh, wow. My final show ever will be in Perth, Australia. That seems fitting in a way. Well, I'll put in like a little bit of a comment for your Australian fans. You know, we're very yeah. familiar with a, an, a musician here called John Farnham, and he's notorious for the last time tour. Um, he's done that about, you know, seven or eight times now. Like he said, this is the last time I'm retiring and he's come back out and um, continued performing. Although he has been very quiet of recent, but um, I think you could do something like that. Even, you know, retirement doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means. So just lie. (laughs) Just, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends. Like like how, how isolated is the city? Well, how, how, steadfast is your view on retirement. You know, these things are very um, subjective. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, I you know, there this. is something that, <laughs> there is something that makes Perth a little bit interesting at the moment. Um, and that is, and look, it's not a, it's not a great thing. It is a great thing and it's also not a great thing. Um, it's that we are virtually, uh, I don't know, I want to choose my words very carefully here. Um, we are virtually COVID-free as, oh, a, as nice. a state. It is really, really lovely. But if you think about the fact that we – I mentioned before, you know, as a, as a state, Western Australia is the second biggest state in the world. 
for that state to be COVID-free is pretty portentous and pretty huge and laden with all kinds of heartbreak and politics. And it's a really interesting, um, it's a really interesting point to be in. And I guess kind of, I've been listening, you know, to your recent calls and, um, you know, I, I listened to the psychiatric nurse and, yeah, the Disneyland operator that turned funeral director and, you know, I, re- I really hope they're well, like as examples, you know, I really, really hope they're well, sending them lots of love. But it was so interesting to hear like how COVID had shaped the very fabric of what they do and what they tie their identity to. And and I'm in a state where, you know, we're kind of living as if it's 2018 still. Oof. And that's so jealous. Really, uh, well, it's, yeah, I, I, I get that. It's, it's really, really strange. Um, we've had, um, if you really, if you want to know the numbers, you know, we've had just over 1,000 COVID cases total here, um, which is really not a lot when you consider, you know, the, the 2.5 million uh, in New York State, for example, like, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of cases. Well, and look, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to make the focus of this episode necessarily. Um, I don't want to sort of bring the mood down. You know, you were telling all the you were telling all the jokes there, and I've just hit with some statistics. You know, there's nothing like statistics to really dampen down your retirement comeback to our plans. You know. <laughs> well, first of all, I wonder if I would even be allowed into Perth right now. We might have to ride this thing out, it sounds like. Um, yeah. You're not bringing anything down. I want to talk about it. What What an interesting thing. In the, This is one of those calls where I go, This it's one of the reasons why I love this show, where I go, so in the, in the middle of this stretch of human history that is so bizarre, I'm middle-aged and I can say I've never... These past two years, never seen anything like this. And it's, yeah. we keep thinking it's going to end and then it's just not. And then I get to talk yeah. to someone in the most desolate city in the world and hear about that perspective on this. It, it, it's strange for me. It's strange for you. I love it. Do you think Perth has been virtually COVID-free because of its isolation or because of smart actions taken by people in charge, or a combination of both? Mm-hmm. I think it's a really great question. I think the isolation um, is both a blessing and a curse. I think it's helped, um, but also we have a lot of regional, there's a lot of regional communities in Western Australia that are, uh, how do I, like, so remote. Um, low population, low low resources, um, limited health support. The nearest hospital is days away, basically. That's how expansive we're talking. So if COVID were to um, explode here, um, there would be real risk to some really, really important um, communities. So there's the isolation, and I think that's prompted some very um, stern decision making um, uh, on behalf of our government. And I think there's been a lot of toing and froing, uh, as, as I have, I think it's probably been worldwide about whether pandemic control is that the state's responsibility or is that the nation's responsibility? You know, who does it rest with, state or federal? And I think our state government has been particularly firm. So we have something in WA called the hard border, which basically means nobody out, very little people in. Um, you need there's a, there's like a, a handful of reasons why you can come into Western Australia right now. Um, and you know, if you think of the most tragic things, like you know the death of a loved one, for example. That is not that is not on that handful of reasons. It's basically diplomatic reasons that you can come into Western Australia, and the two week quarantine um, is very strict. It's police controlled, uh, and 
there's just a hypervigilance. But with that comes um, complacency. So this is really my perspective at the moment. So um, we are, Australia at the moment has sort of had an outbreak of the Delta strain and um, that, like you mentioned Sydney before, so New South Wales, they've had 66,000 plus cases or something like that, something along those lines. And they're going through like a really long stretch of, of high outbreaks. You know, I'm talking for us in Australia, it's like a thousand plus cases a day. Uh, it's a matter of time, uh, as pessimistic as that sounds, and I, and I hate kind of saying that, but it's a matter of time before it hits Perth. Um, and we've seen how kind of easily it can happen. But we locked down here in Perth at the site of one case in the community. Boom. Lockdown at one case. That is extreme. I wonder how it went. I wonder how people feel about it. We're going to find out that and a whole lot more. A whole lot other crazy stuff about Australia when we get back. Thanks to our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. We locked down here in Perth, um, the site of one case in the community. So, you know, three months ago, we had a lockdown for, I think it was, a, I think it was four days. Um, and we went to work Monday. It was the start of a normal working week. And then Monday night, we locked down. There was a case in the community. And then we spent the rest of that week in lockdown. So they're really, we do this sort of like short, sharp locking down when we need to. Um, and it, look, it seems to be working, but this thing that the whole world is grappling with is nothing if not tenacious, right? Like it, it just creeps in and it, and transmission then just balloons out as we, as we've all seen. So we're kind of waiting here in Perth with a sense of gratefulness, but also, you know, like I'm looking at the rest of the country and I'm thinking we could well be spending Christmas in lockdown here. Like we might be on borrowed time. And um, we're getting a little bit complacent here too. So we have like a check-in app so that contract contact tracers can do their job and, and trace cases. But we just sort of, we go, oh, no, there's no cases in Perth. We don't need a check-in anywhere. And everybody's just kind of going about their business and as if nothing had happened, you know, like it's 2018. And that could really be a problem for us. So it takes, it takes a whole like combination of factors to keep this going. And it might not, even then it might not be enough. You know, it's, um, it's good. I think it's good to rem remind ourselves that there's, you know, we're not, there's not a limit on how protected we are it's we're, we're seeing it everywhere and we shouldn't kind of I don't know I, I feel like we shouldn't go about as if everything is okay you know like because it's it's really not and um we need to we need to kind of remember that when we're thinking about the rest of Australia and the rest of the world and and um yeah I feel like that's this is a really long tear of me explaining so please Chris, please, please butt in and, and, um, and I'm into it. ask a question or speak. <laughs> well, it's, it's real, it, you know, it, it effectively is the equivalent. How would I say it? It makes me realize that we're all connected right now, right? Like I'm sitting in my mm -hmm. spare bedroom in New Jersey and I'm talking to you in real time because of computers and the internet and, and phones and, you and I can just talk, but at the end of the day, the earth is this ball that's been spinning around for billions of years. And effectively, it's the modern equivalent of you live in an area of the world that's kind of this like desolate kingdom that did the modern day version of like pull up the bridges and cut off the rest of the world and let's see what happens, which is both maintaining a high level of health for where you are, but also making you all 
it's got to, you, you, there must be ways, you know, as soon as you say, we might not get to travel and see families again on the holidays, you go, well, it's all not, this is not, people are not dancing in the streets bragging about their numbers. There must be people who are going nuts at this point saying, drop, yeah. drop all this stuff. We must also be extraordinarily thankful for the health. Um, I also wonder too, from within Perth and those extremely low numbers, when you're looking at the rest of Australia, let alone the rest of the world, do you watch the news and does it even feel connected to your reality? Like, do you feel like you're watching a disaster movie when you see footage of what's happening in the States, when you hear reports on it? Does it feel like fiction yeah, to you? Uh, it, it feels, um, uh, I, it's going to sound dark, but it feels, it feels really apocalyptic. Like I keep thinking of The Road, you know, the, the book, the movie, The Road. Like I, I keep thinking like, oh, it's just beyond grim. Um, and the other day I was listening to an old, like a semi-old episode of This American Life. And it was about um, workers who've been like essentially redeployed. And it was yes, um, the, the, in, the inter yeah, so like the interview with the school caretaker. <laughs> who became, he, this is a spoiler, who became a coffin maker and they kind of didn't tell yeah. them. They kind of didn't tell these people yes. first, like, hey, you're a carpenter in a middle school. Just start making stuff based on this design. And then they're putting the design together going, they're having us make co emergency coffins. This is, yes. Uh, you might want to give us a heads up on this. And the individual carpenters were turning out something like a hundred coffins a day um, in the school gymnasium of all places. So I think when I hear things like that, I, I really stop and I go, this is uh, like, I almost have to pinch myself. And then um, also there's Australians that are trying to come home. Like, I think you even mentioned this yourself. Like we're, we're a bit of a traveling, uh, traveling nation. It's kind of woven into the expectation that if you're Australian, you work overseas or you, you oh, travel. Believe me, we all know. Believe me, having been a New York, <laughs> having been a New Yorker, you meet Australians yeah. all the time, and you, you go, "Oh, they go, oh yeah, yeah. I'm just here yeah. on holiday." And then you're like, "Oh, how long are you here for?" And you're like, "Well, I'll be in New York for six weeks, and I was in Paris for four weeks before that, and then after this, I'll be living in Berlin for a month and a half." And you go, "How much vacation? How much vacation time do you guys get? All you do is travel." <laughs> Well, it's a great privilege. It's a, it's a, it is a really great privilege um, that it's kind of considered okay. You know, those kind of long breaks are just totally part of the way we do things. But if you, but other way, there's a caveat on that, which is it comes with privilege too. Being able to afford that kind of lifestyle is, you know, you're seeing a, you're seeing a snippet of Australia that that travels like that. But it does very much happen. Um, a lot of Australians are desperate to come home um, to Australia, that is, so that they're in other countries. Um, and just this week, there was like a, a very special repatriation flight that was coming out of Buenos Aires. Um, but people were basically told you, that you have to get there for the flights and that's up to you. How you get there is, is on your own back. And then... Um, quarantine rules changed on the on the drop of a hat and getting out of all these neighboring places almost became impossible you needed to submit so much paperwork you needed to get visas from embassies that were closed or um covid tests that couldn't be provided in the time frame like things policies that just weren't working there was just this real risk that people weren't actually going to be able to get onto this flight and then there are, you hear about people who have been stranded for over a year, seriously low on funds, desperate to come home. And I just think I'm, I'm a world away. Like I could be on another planet right now. And here I am talking to you, as you said, it's midnight here, you know, so it's going to be early morning. Just kind of thinking it's, it's all just a little bit strange. I don't have a better, I don't have a more eloquent word for it. It's just these weird times we find ourselves in. And I do know that I've seen footage, um, I saw footage of protests. I know, I know there is a pretty strong, 
I don't know if it's anti-vax like it is here or or cool out with all these mandates. But I've seen footage of like um, protests in Australia where people start charging through police barricades and getting in wrestling matches with 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 cops and stuff. So, yes, it, um, there is that, and it is it's tied in with the anti-vax kind of ideology. But I think it's also desperation. Um, I, I wouldn't want to paint that group with a broad brush, um, but I think. Anytime a government makes a harsh, you know, call like this in an un um, in an unwinnable situation, you're going to you're going to irk people. You're going to upset. Yeah. So, I understand, but I respectfully don't participate. Um, punching police horses is a thing that angry protesters do here. Of I'm not course. sure if you've seen footage of that. No, but this is um, not shocking to an American yeah. to hear that Australians have made a game out of punching police horses. This is. Do you, are you aware? Yeah. Americans have a fascination with Australians. I would say. Hmm. And right. We all think that you are cool, and have great accents, and are also slightly crazy. This is. This is in a very, in a good way that you want to surf hundred foot tall <laughs> waves and that all of your animals are nuts to us. And that tracks the idea of, oh, when Australians get mad, they punch police horses. This, this yeah. is news to me, but it tracks as far as the type of craziness we assume exists on your continent. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, look, I mean, yes. But um, I think I want to talk about the accent thing for a second, if I can. Yeah, sure. I was actually a little bit self-conscious. One of the re- I was kind of hesitant. I didn't want to have a phone conversation necessarily because I'm very self-conscious of my accent. And um, I'm a teacher here in Australia. And when um, when I was like learning to be a teacher, you go on prac practicum and you get observed by an expert from your university. And the person that observed me actually suggested that I have um, some speech therapy. And I was kind of, you know, kind of upset at the time because I, if I say it, I feel like you'll notice it for the rest of the call. So I kind of don't want to, you know, if I draw attention to it, that could be a bad thing. But Australians have a tendency to inflect at the end of every sentence, like I just mm-hmm. did then. And it makes it sound like everything's a question. And that also gives this weird weird optimism to every sentence as well. Yeah, no, we are, I am well aware of this. Yeah, this is. Yeah. I think I speak for many Americans when I say I find it quite charming. And I think many of us do that everything (laughs) kind of ends like this and it feels really inviting. Like we're all, even when I'm making a declarative statement, it sounds like I kind of want you in on the decision-making process, you know? Correct. Like I feel like an Australian <laughs> yeah, so boss I'm, could. I feel like an Australian boss could look at me and just go like, you know what? You've been dropping the ball really hard, and you're fired. So go fuck yourself. And I'd be like, you know what? I feel like this is a dialogue, and thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know that is actually something that does happen. It's very difficult to performance manage staff here, <laughs> um, and also one of the. <laughs> One of the things about our kind of our our discourse here is that we often say yeah no. So like if you were to say to me, let's um, join one of those protests, the the usual response from someone would be like yeah no look yeah no I just don't think so. So we even we even start the negative with a, with the affirmative, which can get very confusing, but I am super self-conscious of um, the way that I, yeah, the way that I speak. And um, I think people listening from Australia will be able to tell, you can tell subtle differences and nuances in, in accents, depending on which part of Australia you're from. Um, So yeah, there's all these kind of insecurities that like self-deprecation and insecurities that go along with being Australian as well. No, you own it. Your accent is lovely. <laughs> you are well-spoken <laughs> and charming. I can say that all, I think the rest of the English speaking world in general is 
consistently delighted by Australian accents, New Zealand accents. Um, I've said it on the show before. I remember saying this on a live show once that I think Americans, I was actually very proud of this line. I think we love the Australian accent because it, it seems as sort of like exotic and charming and in some ways sexy to us as the English accent, but we don't feel like we're constantly being judged when we hear English accents. We just assume <laughs> we're being judged. You guys seem cool. Um, so own it. You got to just own it and be proud of your, whatever the Perth accent is that other Australians can sense that you're insecure about. You think that I like being one of the voice, you know, every, every week put out this podcast and like a hundred thousand people, largely Americans have to hear me go like ain't and gonna and horrible. Like, and they just go, Oh, this Jersey, this North Jersey nonsense. <laughs> we got to just own it. We are who we are. We are who we are. Correct. Thank you. That's very, yeah, that's very motivating. Okay. That's definitely given me the confidence. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, on the, on the note of kind of like idiosyncratic Australian things, I did prepare, um, and this would make sense. Now I've mentioned that I'm a teacher. I did prepare a quiz for you. Yes. I'm not sure if you'd like to partake in this. Absolutely. I would, I want to okay. partake in your quiz. Yes. Okay, so look, we um, are you familiar with Cockney rhyming slang? Cockney rhyming slang. I'm I'm aware that Cockney is a type of London accent or dialect, however you'd want to phrase it. But Cockney rhyming slang, I don't know that I'm familiar with that phrase as a whole. Okay, so basically, like put simply, it's to do with rhyming, but it's phraseology that's kind of morphed from the original. So your jam jar is your car. Barney rubble is trouble, for example. So you can basically, you could be indecipherable if you didn't understand what the person was going on about, basically. But we have something, we have something very similar here in Australia. And I've picked out a few phrases um, that I wanted to run past you to see yes. whether you could either guess or have an idea about what they might be. Are you, does this appeal? It does. It absolutely okay. does. Right. Yes, please quiz okay, me so on Western Australian <laughs> slang. Yes. This is broadly Australian. Okay. This is broadly Australian, okay. but okay. So question number one, what would it mean if somebody had a few kangaroos loose in the top paddock? Uh, you got a few kangaroos loose in your top paddock. This is like having bats in the belfry. You're acting like a dingbat. You're acting crazy. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that beforehand. That's the powers of deduction over here. You're dealing with a, a, a shrewd and intuitive guy. Great. You, well, you're right on the money here because that's really all that's needed to, to, to make sense of this. Um, what is, okay, so the next one is an adjective. Um, what is a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop? Um, whoop whoop. So W O O P repeated. Oh, like whoop, whoop. Uh, that would be, yeah. my guess would be that if somebody is doing something good and you want to, and you want to cheer them on, like maybe if, if, uh, like you're in a, <laughs> if you're in a bar and somebody's playing darts and they get a bullseye, you'd go whoop, 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 whoop. You'd cheer them on that way. <laughs> cool. Um, look, not, not very close at all. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. Um, it means the middle of nowhere. So I'll put it in a sentence. Um, that the Chris Gethard, in whoop, he lives in Whoop Whoop. Lives in Whoop Whoop. Yeah, kind of out in the woods. means that you live in the middle of nowhere. Which, you know what's so funny to me? As I feel like I moved out of New York City and I live in the woods now out in Jersey. And now I'm talking to you and I go, oh my goodness. Do you know, if I drove for 1,300 miles, do you know how many major metropolitan areas I would pass? <laughs> I do. I have a sense. Dozens. Do you know how easy it is for me to get goods and services? Do you understand this? I I can imagine it is equally easy for for me to get goods and services, but um, not if I drove too far out of the the, the city, so to speak. <laughs> how far from your house would you have to drive before you were like in a place where if your car broke down, you'd be in serious trouble of 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 perishing? Um, well, if if my car broke down uh, outside of my house, I would be in serious trouble. Um, my lack of mechanical know-how, but I would say 
if I drove for an hour north, I would I would consider myself in somewhat treble. Um, four or five hours north, um, yeah, um, you you you're, you're taking survival like you're taking survival supplies if you drive too far. If I um, if I drive an hour north, do you know where I am? Vaguely, but enlighten me. Well, no, it would be more. I guess it would be more east. But if I drove one hour, I would be in the heart of Manhattan. The, there you go. And do you know if I drove four hours north, I would be in Boston. I would be in Boston, in, in the Boston. city center of Boston. <laughs> Two of the most major well, metropolitan areas in the world. There you go. Oh, man. You're out there. Okay, so whoop, whoop. I really screwed that up. Whoop, whoop. I got wrong. Okay. That's all right. No, that's okay. Now, the next one, the next, oh, look, I feel a bit cruel on the next one, um, but I'm throwing some things in for Australian listeners here. But this one, you need to know some Australian history. But I think you're intuitive. You could use some powers of of deduction uh, and give it a go. So if someone says to you, do the Harry, Harry is in the name, do the name Harry. What do you think that might mean? Hmm. We'll find out the answer to that ultra, maybe the most important moment in the history of Beautiful Anonymous. Will I accurately deduce the meaning of do the Harry? Figure it out when we get back. Thanks to our advertisers. Now let's finish off the phone call. Someone says to you, do the Harry. What do you think that might mean? Um, do the Harry. Does this mean, um, do, uh, maybe this is a reference. <laughs> maybe this is in reference to Prince Harry, who is nominally still part of the the royal family that Australia. Maybe this means like you just peace out on all your obligations. You leave the shackles of your family behind. You go live your own truth and you ditch, you ditch all the social obligations you're born into. Maybe this is a, a do the Prince Harry. Peace out. Get out of here. Your def- definition is absolutely correct. Really? Um, to do yes, it really is. It really yeah. is. So to do the Harry. Well done. Do the Harry means to disappear, basically. But it's yeah. not Prince Harry. Oh. It's actually um, Prime Minister Harold Holt, who famously disappeared during his prime ministership. Um, he went swimming one day and was never seen again. Um, so he went, he went swimming at the beach, that is, and was never seen again. So Different we say Harry. do the Harry. Different Harry, same meaning. Very intuitive. That's very impressive. So when Prince Harry left the royal family, were Australians out there going, Harry just did the Harry? I think so. I think it would be fair to say. Ooh. Nailed it. Yet again. All right. Ready for just one more? Two for three. One more? You're doing well. Okay. The next one is a phrase. So if someone were to say to you, don't, Come the raw prawn with me. What do they mean? Don't come the raw as in uncooked? Correct. Prawn as in the relative of shrimp? Yes. Don't come the raw prawn with me? Mm Mm-hmm. My deduction would lead me to think this might mean like, hey, you know what you're doing is negative going to make me like you're trying to put a raw prawn on my plate it's going to give me food poisoning you know what you're up to i'm not an idiot you know that what you're doing is going to have a negative impact on me just cut the nonsense i'm pretty sure you've played this game before chris that is absolutely correct yeah don't put a raw prawn don't come with the raw prawn at me you want to come with the raw prawn at me (laughs) i see what you're up to here go cook the prawn i'll eat the prawn you cook the prawn be a better host yeah exactly prawn I think so. You've done very well. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. I feel so I think, legitimately I think happy is, about my all, performance. I think you should. You've done very well. And I was going to say, I think these are all glowing signs that um, your adoptive home is here and, and waiting with open arms for you with all the quokkas you can cuddle. How, how do you feel 
residents of Perth would react if it was like, we know that you have relatives who are on holiday who have been stranded for years. Some of them are in dire need of infrastructural and financial support. We know some of you have not been able to travel to other parts of the country for funerals. Um, That being said, we have decided to make an exception. We're going to let an American comedian come in to the the boundaries of Perth to perform. And then people will go, it must be a huge American comedian, right? We must be talking about, are we talking about John Mulaney here? And they'll go, no. No, any other any other this must be a really type this has to be Kevin Hart, Amy Schumer. Wow, this is huge. This will revitalize our spirit to bring someone of that Jerry Seinfeld must and they'll go, No, we're talking about a guy. He was on the American office for two episodes after Steve Carell left. Um (laughs) his name is Chris and it's pronounced Gethard, not Gethard. Would there be would there be like violence in the streets at people saying why you have to let us go to funerals then? Uh, oh, look, I don't want to speak for everyone here, yeah. but I'm going to. Yeah. Um, I think the time is right. I think if you're willing to to cough up for the two weeks of hotel quarantine, um, uh, stranger things have happened. Clearly, you know. Um, so uh, I'd say give it a shot. You could put in for a G to G, like your your travel pass. That's the the, mm-hmm. the G to G stands for, okay. um, and see what happens. What's the worst? What's the worst thing that could happen? They would say no, but um, anything is possible. I think give it a shot. Is Perth? I would have to imagine that Perth is tapped into the world and to Australia as, whole, as a whole, but. I also have to imagine that internally word must spread. There must be local celebrities in Perth. There must be people who have legendary status. There must be gossip that spreads within the city like wildfire. Because when you're that isolated, what are the chances that people hear this and go, this American comedian seems serious about trying to become the patron American comedian of Perth specifically, and that this leads Mm -hmm. to Perth. I want to be interviewed by Perth news outlets. Is is that something that happens that stuff just catches on in Perth and becomes the talk of the town? Yes. Yeah. We yes. got to, we got to get it this does. moving. We got to get this moving. And you got to be, you got to be really careful. So like if I go, and once again, this is such a <laughs> 2018 throwback, but if I go to a coffee shop with a girlfriend and we want to gossip or we want to talk about something juicy, we do the sneaky glance first. Because you got to check that there's no one in that cafe that is tangentially related to either you, the person you're speaking to, or the story at whole. You need to be very, very careful. So much to the point, Chris, that I have had kind of like stories I've told repeated back to me. I, I, well, hang on. When I say stories, I'm not presenting myself here as some famous gossip. That's not it. I mean like stories about my own life. Um, repeated back to me and gone, wait a minute, that's my anecdote. That's actually, that's part of the fabric of my narrative. And my friend has gone, no way. You know, my brother told me that his friend heard that from a friend, from a friend, from a friend. The other thing you really can't do in this state is take a sick day, known as a sickie um, or a doona day, and then go out. If you're going to take a sick day, you basically have to, and you're not sick, you basically have to commit to staying at home because someone will see you and report it back to your employer that you were doing a shonky. You were, you were coming the raw prawn. You were trying yeah, to throw the raw come prawn. At me with the raw prawn. And your boss is kind of within Correct. the rights to go, you really, this is a raw prawn on me. If you need a mental, yeah. if you need a mental health day, you let me know, but don't play me for a fool. Correct. You're trying to serve exactly. me raw prawn here. Trying to serve me raw prawn. Exactly. And look, speaking of, we can talk about all things um Australia and, and Perth and all of these all of these things, but um you know, I, I'm I'm conscious like an hour that people say that an hour goes really fast. It's kind of zooming by here. We got 13 minutes left. Can I tell you a crazy story from my day today, um, and then maybe like 
kind of, I don't know, I'm, I guess I'm looking for like, I wasn't sure if the whole call was going to be about where I'm from, but I guess I, I kind of wanted to talk to you. What appeals to me is that you have a, a son who's two, is that right? Two and a half as of this month, yeah. Two and a half. Okay, so I have a 15-month-old month, 15 son. Oh, congrats. Is he your Thank you. first child? He's my first. He's my, my one child. Um, and he's the best. Um, his nickname in our house is Pazuzu. Do you, are you familiar with Pazuzu? Pazuzu? Yes. No, what's that? So Pazuzu is the name of the demon that um, inhabits the young girl in Exorcist. Oh, got it. Yes. Yeah, so he's an absolute delight, but he is, uh, he's terrifying in his uh, power and his dominance. He is the little Lord that yeah, has enslaved yeah. us all. And he's, he's charming. Um, I want to say that he's objectively adorable. Um, and I feel like every parent says that. And I feel, I always said I was never going to be that parent. Every parent thinks their kid is a genius, objectively adorable, the apple of everyone's eye. My son literally stopped traffic on the sidewalk the other day. We were walking through the city and this woman was coming towards us and she was on her phone and she was walking towards us. We were just going to walk straight past her and she literally stopped in front of us and said to her person she was talking to, hang on, I need to stop. The most adorable baby has just stood in front of me. I, yeah. And I then... Our sons are kindred spirits. We were once, my wife was yeah. once walking down a street in Queens when we still lived there and overheard two teenage girls. Uh, she saw them kind of flipping out and halfway, halfway down the block. And as she passed them, she heard one of the girls say, that's the baby I've been telling you about. <laughs> that's gorgeous. That's really sweet. And then today we were in the supermarket and I had my son in the trolley in the little front bit. And this couple walked past and said, hello, and he said, hello, and the lady said, that is the best thing that will happen to me today. That's awesome. Um, so he's pretty delightful, um, but he has, so he has a friend, um, and his mum and he came to our house today for a play date, and within like three minutes, these kids had wreaked havoc on the whole place. They'd literally gone into every room, opened every drawer, every cupboard, turned the place upside down. We have like a little water feature outside. They'd put banana bread in the water feature. Everything was crazy. And um, they played. It was great. It was chaotic. And then his mom was like, okay, it's time for us to go. So we're showing them out the front door. And I checked that the front door was unlocked. And um, me and my friend, we'd just been talking about how um, her son has recently acquired the skill of door handles. Now, you can see where this is going, I'm sure. So my son starts booking it out the front door. He's thinking of freedom. This Kazuzu is on the run. He's gunning it out, the, out towards the, the street. And so me and my friend, just in our reflexes, we both kind of ran out the door after him because this kid is light on his feet, gunning it. And then we see the front door close and neither of us panic because I have confirmed that the door is unlocked. So all is fine. We just open the door. Then we hear click. Okay, the door's locked and her son is inside. And then we hear the remote for my house alarm activated. So not only has he locked the door with the three of us on the outside, he's on the inside with the alarm set. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we don't panic immediately, but panic follows pretty soon after because my house is kind of walled. So getting in is not easy. Luckily, luckily it's difficult to get into, but today that was not a good thing. So there was a glass panel, there's a glass panel in my front door. So my friend says, okay, let's just break the glass panel. And I said, well, wait a second. If your son is on the other side, 
and a big shard of glass falls, it's going to be a problem. So in the panic of the moment, I thought, okay, I'm going to break the kitchen window and jump through. Um, So I grabbed a pot plant that has a gardenia plant in it and I throw it at the glass window. And this doesn't break the window. Uh The pot literally bounces off the window and onto the floor and smashes. So not my finest moment. So what are we going to do? We, I'm I'm like, we'll jump through, we'll jump over the fence into the backyard, the back door, the sliding like garage, the, you know, like outdoor door was open. We'll go through there. So we go around to the side. I managed to scale the fence. Uh The drop down is so high that jumping will surely break one, if not more bones. So I'm weighing up what to do here. And I remembered that I had this call and I was like, I can't break limbs that need setting or need anything operated on because how would I, how would I, what would I do? So I I had my priorities in check. So we bolted around to back to the front door. My friend summoned that like, freakish mum strength that you hear about, you know, where mums can like lift up car, lift up cars and things like that. Mm -hmm. And she pushed the front door in to get her son out. She just wrecked the door. She just with arm strength took out a door. Yes. So we had this like um, mini drama in the, yeah, it was, it was horrendous. Um, but everyone's okay, and I'm going to get a key put outside from this point on. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I would think that that's necessary after this. And when the was was the kid inside freaked out at, in the in the end of this, or like cackling with glee that so much trouble had been caused? No, he was freaking out. I think because by this point the alarm was going off, and we mm-hmm. was we were screaming like we were almost. I don't know. We thought we might be able to negotiate with him to get the door open. Right. So we were going like, honey, just turn the door handle. Like just, you know, but uh, this is a voluntary door handle exercise for, for a 16, 16 month old kid. So it was just, um, it was, yeah, it was just something else. But I guess that brings me to a question I have for you, which is, am I right in, asking, is this just the most full-on experience of uh, your slash my slash our lives raising these boys? It's, uh, it's, it, it, it's rearranged my DNA. It's re it's every priority is different now. The lens through which I see everything is not rooted in my own how would I phrase it? Like my needs are on the back burner. Like every, every decision in my life is about its potential impact on someone who's not me. It's a very strange feeling. And it's, it's really beautiful and really sort of in, there's not really a way to describe it with words. Like I I think you'd need a poet for that. Not me. Uh, It's also, terrifying and mm. the most annoying thing I've ever participated in all at once. My my husband, like when people ask him, oh, you know, like how's parenthood going? He says, oh, it's the best experience I've ever had. And it would have to be like, you'd want it to be that for all the kind of the, the disorientating elements of it. And then I think a little bit about, um, you know, um, Mike Brabiglia, he's got that special called The New One. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's like one sentence in that that always sticks with me. And it's not even probably what he might, I don't know. I'm not him, but like the most profound sentence of the whole thing. But the line is, I've lost a lot of great friends to kids. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I used to always kind of chuckle to that. But now I'm on the other side. I'm like, I, there's been times where I've felt lost to 
my kid, you know, like I, I understand that now on like a, <laughs> on a, on a, such a deeper level. And then, you know, that idea that like, it's, you know, there's like that other joke, like having kids is worse than a disease because you, they want you to have it, you know, like your friends want you to have it too. Like uh-huh. you, you uh-huh. kind of want to make sure that there's like solidarity in the experience. Um, but I have definitely never experienced so much um, beautiful chaos, like so much disorder. And, and I've found like to clean up one mess, I have to be prepared to let him make another one. Um, you know, like to, to, to clean up the breakfast mess, I have to be prepared to let him, I don't know, I don't know what else, whatever else, pull all the, his favorite thing at the moment is to like pull all the alfoil out of the drawer, you know, the aluminum foil and like just like run around with the al- aluminum foil and um, just such like beautiful, um, what's the word for it? Like, it's like passion, but it's like, um, you know, like the way that a little kid just has like uninhabited, like pure joy, like pure energy. And can you imagine if you were like learning a million new things every day? Like I would want to pull all the alfoil out of the drawer if that was me. Um, yesterday he cried for half an hour because I wouldn't let him water the plants out the front naked. Like yeah, yeah. I would tantrum for an hour if everything felt new. I'm trying to come at it with a lot of empathy, but sometimes I just turn up questions like this is so far removed from anything I've ever done before. It's, I wonder if you have this experience too, where I also sit here, I go, there's so much news coming at me. There's so many things to be scared about, especially right now. There's just so much information at the tip of my fingertips, so many things to be concerned about, but I feel so lucky that my son is here, especially in this era of human history, because I also sit here and I look at him, I go, everything is simpler than I let it be. Everything. Mm. Everything is just simpler. There's all these theoretical worries and all these things that weigh heavy on me. And I sit there, I go, none of those things matter. This kid just loves raisins so much. This kid loves yeah. raisins so much. Like today, I, I, it's so funny you say that because I had this exact thought today. My son bent down to smell a flower and it was like the most pure thing I've ever seen. He kind of did this little squat and leant down and, uh, and he actually kind of was like smelling the flower. And I thought, oh, his little brain is actually going, what, does, what is this? Yeah. And I just, I can't remember the last time that I had stopped and smelt literally, you know, the, the roses. Um, but I know exactly what you're saying. I feel so lucky, but, um, but so fearful at the same time as well. Like it's like this time period comes with this, this, like this, like undercurrent, undercurrent of tension and pensive waiting and, um, all those sorts of things too. You'll be happy to hear that. So, my guy was being really needy today. He wanted to be held constantly. He usually isn't. He's likes running around and just wanted to be held. And my wife was going, oh, he's, he's been pretty relentless today. And, and he's making a bunch of noise. And I had this call and my wife said, I'm, I'm going to get him out of the house and put him in the stroller. And sometimes it, they walk down to the highway and they watch the trucks go by. And he really loves the trucks. And he seemed excited, but kind of subdued. And we were both like, what's going on? And then right when this call started, uh, I think you'll be happy to hear that my wife texted me five simple words, which were, he just threw up everywhere. And that, oh, no. it, but it's so cute. It's also cute. I'm like, oh, that, it's simple. That's why he's been a pain in the ass today. It's pretty simple. He ate something mm. weird. He had to throw it up. And now he's going to go look at some trucks. And if the trucks see him and they honk, he'll be happy. It's pretty simple. Life is pretty simple when we let it be. Mm. When we get past yeah. how insanely complicated life is, it's actually pretty simple, you know? Mm. Very true. Very true. Our uh, our time is up. I feel very oh, lucky well, I got to you. talk to you. 
Oh, likewise, likewise. Thank you so much for your time. Um, it was a it was a real privilege to talk to you. Thank you. I feel like I could have talked to you about so much more about being a teacher and about your relationship and more about parenting and. Um, but you absolutely, I loved our quiz and you were able to tell me so much about what it's like in your part of the world and especially hearing about the COVID stuff and such low rates, but also such a sense of having to cut it, cut yourselves off strange times. Thank you for talking to me and filling me in and, and for some of your time. Oh, thank you. Um, and stay well and, um, thanks so much. Caller, thank you once again. All the way there on the other side of the globe. Got to connect with you. That's a good feeling. And uh, much love to you and your kid and your husband and all the people in your life. I hope that uh, I hope all this stuff is over soon and someday I'll be performing at birth and we can can uh, have a have a hug and a laugh and remember this convo. And I hope when I'm there, you don't try to serve me that raw prawn. Keep that raw prawn out of my face. show is produced by Anita Flores. It's engineered by Jared O'Connell and Marcus Hom. Our theme song's by Shell Shack. Go to chrisgeff.com if you want to know more about me. Wherever you're listening, you can hit subscribe, favorite, follow. It really helps when you do. And you can find our latest merch over at podswag.com. We've got mugs, shirts, posters, and more. Plus, ad-free episodes, beautiful anonymous, and tons of other shows. It's over at Stitcher Premium. If you use the promo code STORIES, you'll get a one-month free trial. That's at stitcher.com slash premium.